This is a Gulf Stories moment, made possible by the University of West Florida Innovation Institute. Hi again, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another Gulf Stories moment. My guest today is Catherine Parker, an archaeologist from the Archaeology Institute at UWF. And today we're talking about the culinary heritage of the Gulf Coast. Ms. Parker, thank you for coming on the show. So when I let's start when I say culinary heritage of the Gulf Coast, am, am I talking about all the great food that I know and love since I've been here? Yes, you are. And food prepared on the Gulf Coast in the communities from colonial times until today is very special, and it's quite different from food in the inland parts of our country. Now, is that true for lots of coastal locations, or is the Gulf Coast food and cuisine sort of especially distinctive? Well, it's especially distinctive because of the diverse population that created it. And many other coastal communities, such as those in New England, did not have that diversity. What are some of the nuances of, of Gulf Coast cuisine, some of, the, some of the things that stand out in your studies? Fresh, locally sourced vegetables and the fresh and varied seafood that comes from our Gulf waters and garlic, onion, tomatoes, peppers, all those wonderful things that we think of as being southern warm-weather vegetables. So let's let's go back a little. Let's talk a little history here. You and I have talked about the fact that when the Europeans colonized the Americas, they accepted that they had to change their diets. Why did they have to do that? Why did they have to change their diets? Well, they absolutely had to change because most of their cherished foods, and this applies to the Spanish particularly, would not grow in our climate. Mm. They wanted wheat. They wanted olives. They wanted wine grapes. None of those grow here. They wanted sheep. The sheep would not reproduce here. And it was very difficult for them. So they either, they had really had no choice. That's the key, right? It's like, figure this out. That's it. That's not going to work. So how long does an evolution like that take before, you know, you really start to see new patterns in the new way? Well, the Spaniards came to Mexico in 1519, and they came to Pensacola in 1559. So they had almost 50 years yeah. in there to uh, adjust to Mexico. And when they made that adjustment to Mexico, the adjustment to this climate was much easier. The only thing in Mexico, they did find little pockets of the country where they could grow the things they wanted mm. and where they could raise sheep. In Pensacola, it was not possible. So we know what, what they had been growing, what they had been eating before they get here. They get here, and it's like, oh, well, none of those things are going to work. Is that something that you know before a voyage begins that you're going to have to figure that out? Or is that kind of a surprise? You think, uh-oh, well, we're going to have to rethink this. In the case of the Luna settlement in 1559, I think it was a little surprise to them. Mm. And they also uh, expected Native Americans to be there to help them. 
like the natives in the Caribbean had helped them and the natives in Mexico. But there were not very many Native Americans here. Last thing I'll ask you with a few seconds left. I know that we've piqued some people's interest who maybe hadn't thought much about this. Where might they go to find out more? I recommend two books. One is called Columbian Consequences by Alfred Crosby. Okay. And the other one is titled 1493 <laughs> by Charles C. Mann. That's a great title. Got it, it is. And it's he tells what happens after Columbus discovered the new world. Talking to Catherine Parker, an archaeologist from the Archaeology Institute at UWF about the culinary heritage of the Gulf Coast. Thank you so much. Very interesting. For more Gulf Stories moments, visit wuwf.org slash podcast or go to the podcast page of npr.org.